0: Welcome to this edition of City Minutes. Today, I'm joined by my colleagues, Guillermo Rodriguez and Stuart Bridget, who are the co-authors of a new Centre for Cities report called Capital Losses, The Role of London in the UK's Productivity Puzzle, which has been kindly supported by Bid. We're gonna have a look at the main issues in the report. So, let's, Stuart, let's start with you. Give us the background to the report. Why have we done this now?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Well, it's well known that the UK's productivity growth has slowed since the financial crisis in 2008. But what's less well known is London's central role in the slowdown. So London used to be the engine of the UK's productivity growth before 2008, but now productivity growth in London has stagnated. Uh, The change is so drastic that London alone accounts for about half of the national productivity gap that's emerged since the financial crisis. Um, Because London share the UK's population and economy is so large, there's not really a viable solution to the UK's productivity puzzle that doesn't get London working again. So we have to explore this issue.
0: It's a good reminder that uh, whilst we often talk about the national economy, London's role in that is quite significant, which we'll come on to. Guy, turning to you, um, just set us out the the sort of
2: approach that we took to analyse the issues and the problems. Sure. So our work is divided mainly in two parts. Firstly, we analyze London's productivity in three dimensions. The sectoral level, the sectors of London economy. At the firm level, we compare the so-called superstar firms, the superproductive firms against the other ones, and also the geography within London. So mainly central London against the rest of the capital, if the productivity performance differed or not. Then uh, we compare this performance with other parts of the UK, the UK as a whole, excluding London, or global competitive cities like Paris and New York, among others. Secondly, the report puts forward two hypotheses we think are major contributors to London underperformance, both based on existing research and trends we observed in the capital over the last two decades. Certainly, this hypothesis cannot fully explore all factors behind London productivity slowdown. We know there are global and factors like Brexit and macroeconomic conditions. Our paper and our approach tries to explain London-specific factors. Great. Okay. So, Stuart, let's get into the meat of it. Start to
0: set out the main findings of the report itself, and then I'll come to Guy for a bit of specifics around uh, knowledge-intensive businesses.
1: Yeah, sure thing. Um, Well, I suppose there's two main takeaways from the section of the report where we try to understand the problem a bit better. Um, The first takeaway is that London is struggling more than the rest of the UK and more than other global cities in terms of productivity growth. So as mentioned, since 2008, London's productivity has grown slower than the rest of the UK. But before that, it was actually the engine of productivity growth in the UK. And crucially, this dynamic isn't happening in other global cities. So we looked at Paris, New York, Stockholm, Brussels, and Milan, and found that even though their productivity growth did slow down after 2008, it's still growing faster than their own country's average. So elsewhere in other large global cities, uh, they're still driving national productivity growth, but London isn't. Um, and for this, yeah, to consider the scale of this, if London's productivity uh, grew as quickly as the average for these other global cities, the UK's economy would be about £54 billion larger, which is equivalent to two Edinburghs. The second takeaway is that the slowdown is being driven by the firms and sectors that we think should be driving growth, but they're not. So these are productive KIBS firms, K-I-B-S, knowledge intensive business services. And we think these should be driving growth because they can benefit from London's agglomeration effects and can export services outside of their local market. So finance is one of these KIB sector uh, sectors, and it's doing particularly bad in London since 2008. Actually, its productivity reduced since 2008 to, two, uh, to 2019, and finance alone is responsible for about a quarter of London's productivity slowdown. But almost all sectors have also seen a productivity growth slowdown post 2008. Um, even other KIB sectors like ICT and professional services which has led to London losing its lead or falling behind other global cities in, in sectors like finance and ICT. Once you break the data down past the sector level to the firm letter, uh, level, we find that it's London superstar firms. So these are the top 10% most productive exporting firms that have actually had their productivity growth stagnate since 2008. These firms only grew by about 0.4% a year after 2008 in London. But in the rest of the UK, they grew by about four times that annually. So there's a big difference between London and the rest of the UK uh, for these firms and these sectors.
0: That's great. And it connects to a previous work that we've done looking at um, whether the long tail, as it's referred to, is a problem. And what this report does and the work that we did back in the day shows it's not the long tail we should be worried about. It's the superstar firms and their underperformance that we should really uh, be worried about in a London context and in the EU. Can you pick up this issue around some
2: of this underperformance? What more have we got to say on that? So as I previously said, we developed two hypotheses based on the findings that Stuart said and other trends. So despite low productivity and stagnant wage growth uh, after the financial crisis, we know that real costs, both commercial and residential in London, have been increasing significantly since then. We think this is driven by the inability of expanding supply as much as necessary, both on the commercial and the residential. As a consequence of rising prices, the real estate sector, as a share of total economy in London, has been growing significantly uh, uh, since the financial crisis and much faster than other global cities that we compare. This is not simply an additional cost to firms and people. We hypothesize that This is arming London's overall productivity uh, in two ways. The first one is commercial property costs are consuming firms revenue and redirecting investment uh, from uh, innovation related activities to buildings and tangibles. And the data suggests this. So investment data in the last two decades in London show that two decades ago, for every pound invested in buildings and structures, 65 pence was invested in intangibles. Before the pandemic in 2019, the ratio was 37 pence, so almost half of it. Simultaneously, London's investment in intangibles as a share of its GDP has been gradually declining and diverging from other areas in the greater Southeast, which are also highly productive. The international comparison also supports the idea that low investment in innovation related activities is low in London. So when we look at R&D, which is the indicator we can easily compare, the private part, the part done by businesses in London, is much lower than global cities analyzed. Then the second hypothesis is that growing housing costs, the residential, uh, uh, residential side of it, combined with stagnant wages, And with migration policy being more restrictive in the last uh, decades and the weaker pound reduced London ability to attract talent, these four factors. So London housing costs having grown sharply, but not incomes. This means that after income costs, uh, after housing costs, sorry, incomes are very similar to the London average nowadays, despite the city being very, very productive. And this is mostly driven by the housing costs, as I said, not strong growth in wages in the rest of the country. Excellent. Great.
0: So um, as well as uh, trying to understand the problem in more detail and to set it out, we've also then uh, thought about some of the policy potential, some of the recommendations for dealing with these kinds of issues. So let's turn to them. Guy, you're going to talk a little bit uh, initially around visas and supply of homes and commercial space. So just talk us through that
2: and then we'll move on to Stuart. So first, before saying that, I think it's very important to recognize that without London thriving, we cannot sort the productivity puzzle we have in the UK. Then we think that as London has not been as able to attract talent as before, the government should extend the graduate visa from two to five years so that the internationally renowned British universities can become more competitive in the global scene and the UK can allow Uh, can allow itself to absorb this talent that it has in their borders. Moreover, the the capital must be able to provide more workspace and housing, which would allow more residents and firms to locate to London, and also is the current constraints on existing firms and residents. One way of doing it would be by planning reform, something that the centre has been advocating for in the past. A new flexible zoning system would make it easy to deliver more homes and commercial space, but there are other tools like reviewing the Greenbelt, reviewing the London plan, or even using mayoral development orders to provide jobs and houses next to well-connected areas of London. We also find that immigrants from other high-income countries like US, Sweden, among others, make the same share of London's population as they did in 2007. But in the rest of the country, their share kept growing after the financial crisis. Data on national insurance applications from people born outside the UK show some similar trends.
0: Excellent. Great. you take us up. We've got other recommendations to make. What are they? So um,
1: London itself needs to be given more powers and to have its local government incentives aligned so that it can tackle its own problems. Um, Just to take one example of this, um, the TfL, its funding model has struggled a lot since Covid. and, you know, London will need a world class transport um, network to be competitive with other global cities and to connect its businesses and workers. So giving new tax raising powers to the mayor of London, the GLA similar to the French VT tax could help fund public transport uh, and help London tackle the problems that are emerging. And that's not just about making tfl more sustainable
0: in the long term it's thinking about the transport system as an enabler of the labor market to allow more people to come and work here or to to move jobs and such move around which that in and it of itself has productivity enhancing uh, outcomes excellent uh, thank you very much gentlemen you can read the full report on our website center.org thanks for listening